Welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour, and we do love happy hour and the clinking of glasses and cheers to all you fabulous women who are fully living your lives at every age and every stage. And here's the best news, every hour is happy hour. So whether you clink cheers with your coffee mug or your afternoon cappuccino, remember as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Greetings, tomatoes. I'm Cheryl Benton, your host of today's happy hour, and I am so excited to be here with my co-host, Kim Selby, who I'm actually going to interview today. In addition to being co-host of our podcast, Kim is also the San Francisco editor for The Three Tomatoes, and while you've heard her bubbly personality in our podcast interviews, I thought it was high time for you to get to know the person behind the interviews and the newsletter. Kim is originally from Miami, uh, but she's now lived in the San Francisco Bay Area for more than 27 years. She was an aspiring dancer and actor right out of college, and then she got into the fashion field, which she is super passionate about it. In fact, she's our resident fashionista. She was a fashion and beauty and merchandise editor for Glamour Magazine and a fashion director at Saks Fifth Avenue in Palo Alto. She's produced fashion shows in the Bay Area for over 20 years, and she now creates events to empower, delight, and inspire women to ignite their spark. So Kim, you are always so full of energy and ideas. And I know that you really do want to help other women find their passions. So let's start with some of your passions along the way and how they led you to where you are today. So let's talk about your show business biz dreams, which I think started when you were a very little girl, right? So tell us yes. a little bit about that and sort of how you have come to find that again. That's really interesting. And thank you, Cheryl, for having me as your guest on yes. the Tomatoes Happy Hour. <laughs> uh, it's interesting being on the other side of the microphone, certainly. <laughs> well, you know, when I was five years old and people said to me, what do you want to be when you grow up? As parents often did, I think we're a little more savvy now. I always said a star. And I thought, you know, thinking back on this, it's like, why do I want to be a star? I mean, that's so ridiculous. You're five years old. And I think I had been to the movies. I'd been to The Sound of Music, maybe came out around that time. And I was obsessed with it. And I wanted to be Gretel. I don't know. I love performing. I took ballet from the time I was three. I loved being on a stage. I loved when I made people laugh. I loved hearing applause. I mean, you know, I think we're born with our personalities. And I just was born with that sort of out there kind of personality, you know? <laughs> um, and so I, I... I tried out for every play. I did everything. I performed constantly. And through middle school, elementary school, and my elementary school was great. Everybody had to get up every Friday. Each class took a, um, had a different Friday and you had to talk. Now, a lot of people hated that, but of course I was like, is it our turn yet? You know, we have to <laughs> read something. And same in my, um, private girls high school, we got to get up. Public speaking has always been something that's been encouraged in my life. And I took to it and I did theater and I, I wanted to go to college to be an actress, but my parents were like, mm, no, I don't think so. 
So I didn't, but I still performed. And then I went, I wanted, had no idea. You come out of college and you're like, well, I've done every show possible. I've sung in the singing group. I've had a great time, but what do I do now? And my parents said, well, you, you're a good writer. Why don't you go to journalism school? And I said, well, why don't I go to Yale drama school? Cause that's what I really wanted to do. <laughs> and they said, well, not in so many words. They said the check will not be written for Yale drama schools. So <laughs> I, in, you know, looked into journalism schools and I at, ended up going to uh, Syracuse, the new house school. And it was film and television communications or something, a sort of a whole bunch of things, because then I thought, okay, I'll be a news anchor or I'll be an interviewer. I really want to be an interviewer. And you, of course, have given me that opportunity to be an interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because Oprah and Katie were just coming up in the ranks then, and I just loved them, and I thought, I, I can do that. But, you know, life takes many twists and turns, and when I was in graduate school, my mother passed away, and, you know, I finished school, and I thought, I don't want to go to some small town in upstate New York, which I had been in for five years, but I loved it, but I didn't want to go and try to be, you know, write copy and be on the air and news. I wanted to go to Manhattan course where everything happens <laughs> <laughs> so i picked up and moved to new york new york the city's so nice they named it twice and honestly i loved new york i mean it was you know i left after eight years because i had dated everybody in the telephone book as my husband says but um, <laughs> you know that's a whole different story that's the that's love life story another interview. yeah that's another interview <laughs> yeah so I, you know, I lived in Manhattan and I moved in with a girlfriend and, oh, we had so much fun. I had so much fun. Finding a job was a little bit of a challenge. Ended up working at the beloved Lord and Taylor. No oh, longer. I know. That's such a sad, sad story right now. But Oh, so God. sad. They yeah. are. And I would say that that's sort of how I got into fashion, but that's not it. I Back in my childhood, my dad used to have custom clothes made. My dad bought clothes for my mom and I. I grew up in fashion, literally. Wow. Clothes wow. were, yeah. My dad would go to stores and buy clothes for my mom and I, and we pretended to love everything because he once said to me that, this is a lesson. He said, if um, I know I haven't always been successful in giving your gifts to your mother, but she has always been delighted with everything I've given her. And he said, I just want you to know that because people won't give you something if you poo-poo it or you say, eh, no, I don't like that. So I was always very gracious with everything he gave me. Anyway, that, that was just one of the little life that, lessons. That's very cool. Yeah. He so he and, did. Uh, and I, I just, I, that. I think that started it. Plus I love dress up. I love theater. You know, I had more costume boxes than anybody. People would come over to my house and we put it all on. <laughs> so anyway, fashion, loved it, loved theater. You know, I, in Manhattan, I, after Lloyd and Taylor, I eventually started working in advertising. I got a job at Doyle Jane Birnbach as a, well, I think we were called AV technicians. And it was a stepping stone to being a producer for commercials. I had no idea if I wanted to do this or not, but I needed a job. I needed money, right? So to the tune of $10,000 a year in 1979, I got a job. <laughs> Basically, I had a fabulous time. I mean, it was a great place to work. You know, I lugged cables and I learned how to edit on audio, on 
cassette tape, you know, we learned how to edit and splice with razor blades and tape. And now I'm trying to learn it all electronically. It's so interesting. But I, what happened is I found a great place called St. Bart's and it's a community theater and a community club in St. Bartholomew's Church in Manhattan. And I started doing theater after work. And I did theater for the eight years that I was there. It was considered off, off Broadway or something. I don't know. It was such a great time. So I met so many wonderful people. But I, you know, I ended up working, leaving Doyle Dane because I wanted to be an actress. Tried that for a while. Did this for a while. Did that for a while. Blah blah blah. Worked in publishing. Worked in PR. You know, just kind of did some stints. And um, then my dad passed away. And then, um, so I was an orphan at 28 years old. But I had this incredible network of friends. Manhattan was, wow, just fabulous. You know, just so many great friends from college and graduate school and New York days. But I ended up, someone told me about a um, job you could get at magazines where you traveled around the country and like did fashion shows or something. Like, whoa, that's my job, <laughs> you know, hello. So I applied for a job through Condé Nast, just any of the magazines, didn't care. And I ended up getting a job at Glamour Magazine as a fashion and beauty merchandising editor. And it was, I would say, the best job of my life of the paying kind, other than having kids, you know, that kind of thing. And it was a blast. I traveled all over the country. We put on fashion shows in malls, you know, do's and don'ts, Glamour do's and don'ts, and, and in retail environments. And it was so much fun. So that's kind of where I got like really into working oh, in yeah, fashion. Yeah. yeah. And then got tired of living in Manhattan because I turned 30 and I had dated everybody, you know, <laughs> and uh, was single. My parents, you know, were not with us. I had all this furniture and storage in Miami. And I thought, I'm going to move to San Francisco. You know, okay, whatever. So why I thought did you I pick San Francisco? Of all the places you could have moved, what made you pick San Francisco? Well, I had come out to San Francisco for work, you know, to do some shows in the area with Glamour. And one of my best friends from New York had been moved with her job, with Gray Advertising, I think, to San Francisco. And I visited her and she had this darling apartment in the marina and it was beautiful and it, it just was fun and fresh and healthy and fun. And she was having a great time. And I thought, I like San Francisco. I think I'll move there. I don't know. I just loaded, you know, like the Beverly Hillbillies, loaded everything in a big moving van and headed west. And yeah, you know, I thought, San Francisco, no problem. I have this great resume. I've done all these things, great names. Yeah, it took me a long time to find a job out here. That was a challenge. But I ended up being the fashion director at Saks Fifth Avenue in Palo Alto that that was, you know, continued my foray into fashion shows and fashion in general. I mean, I could talk forever about myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what this interview is about. This is the interview, so you are allowed to do that. <laughs> oh my god, my friend! <laughs> I'll have all my friends listen to it, and they'll be going, "Uh, yeah, we don't need to hear that anymore." But you know, people don't know me. I guess it's interesting. <laughs> But it is, it is, I, I really loved producing fashion shows. This is kind of how I got to where I am today. Long story to this. Yes, I love theater. I love improv. 
I love stepping outside of my comfort zone. And I think it's really important to help other people step outside of their comfort zone. So when I did these fashion shows for Saks Fifth Avenue and then on my own, Saks sadly closed in 1993 after I had my second child. And I was doing freelance fashion shows for them because I had children and not working full-time in advertising, but just doing the fashion shows. And I worked with, we did a lot of shows using non-professional models, which were benefits for high schools or organizations. And we would use the members of the organization or in the case of a high school, for instance, I did a show <clears throat> uh, that these were all such great times and great people for a school in Atherton. And every senior was in the fashion show, every senior in high school and a parent. So these were not professional models. And yes, I had worked with professional models and I always made them step outside their comfort zone because they were used to like very serious. And I'd say, no, I want some laughter. I want some smiles, you know, do a jump rope here. And they, they loved it because it was so different than regular modeling. I think I made it a theatrical experience. That's what I did. So these, I would see what happened with choosing clothes for all the people in the fashion show putting on some upbeat jazzy music and coaching them through it. And I would see the transformation that primarily I would say the women, not the students. Students are still sort of out there and happy to be on stage and you're a senior in high school and it's all great. But sometimes the moms did not feel confident. There were dads who did too, but they seemed to have more confidence too. I found that it was the women who were a little shyer, you know, they were either thought, oh, I'm too short, or I'm too heavy, or I'm too this, or I'm too that. And I would encourage them and work with them to get clothes that worked on their body type that made them feel good about themselves. And I'll tell you, a little hair, a little makeup, little lip, little mascara, fabulous outfit, and great music, and me encouraging them. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back and say, oh, it's all me, because it's not. It's really bringing out in them what is hidden. And I saw a transformation. I saw people literally bloom on stage. Now, whether they were able to carry that into their life, you know, probably not. But I have had some of the kids and parents too, but say to me, it was the best night of my life. So I, I decided over the past few years to try and figure out a way to bring that spark to light in, in, you know, primarily women, I guess, because I feel like we need it the most. And I have, you know, just tried to put together a workshop because I've taken a lot of improv classes. I got certified as a creativity coach which is like a life coach, but the emphasis was on creatives and if you have writer's block or artist's block, but it's, it's pretty much the same. And I sort of took all of those things that I've learned and thought, I'm going to create a class for people <laughs> called Ignite Your Spark because I started this pretty much thinking in March. I mean, I've always, I've started doing classes and workshops for women prior to that, but when the pandemic hit and I started doing little motivational minutes on Instagram, to keep people energized because at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, we were all so 
okay, this is going to end. It's weird, but it's going to end. And I'm all about being right, po- positive. Right, and here we are in October. <laughs> no kidding. Six months later. Yes. yes. Uh, so my minutes have slowed down, but that's only because I'm working on other things. And I really just feel how it's so important for women to step outside their comfort zone a little bit or people because we get stuck in a rut. And when you do that and you take a leap into the unknown, whether it is as simple as taking a different route somewhere or trying a new skill, picking up a watercolor brush, you're opening a different neural pathway and it really does lead to more joy. I mean, I know that because I started watercoloring a few months ago too. And I was like, this makes me happy. You know, something that, that brings joy to you is, is going to uplift you. And I think it's more important for us to be happy, you know, and not watch the news all day long every day. But I think it's important to share that happiness and share our light. So in my new podcast. I know, I'm, going I'm so to- excited. This is the first announcement of it. First announcement. I think I posted something on Instagram. But oh, it's, I thought it's, we had the exclusive, but that's okay. Well, I don't know that anybody paid attention, <laughs> honestly. Um, but it's Ignite Your Spark. And I would, I am want to have conversations and musings that will help you get lit. That's kind of my thing. Get lit so that you can share your spark. Because the more people are positive and share positivity and kindness and happiness, then that's just going to have the opposite effect of all the negativity. So I'm hoping to ignite a spark in everybody who listens through conversations and laughter and it will, there will be no politics spoken about. (laughs) Yay. Well, I think that is so great, Kim. And you are just the perfect person to do this. And I know that um, uh, one of your workshops, I know some of our tomatoes went to it and they were just raving about it. And they just had, they said it was so much fun and it made them feel so much better. But let's just go back a little bit because I think you know, when you were first sort of talking about your earlier days and one wanting to be a star and performing and all that good stuff as a kid, that really had, you have, when I hear your stories, you really have brought that forward into now and in so many different ways, whether it was producing a fashion show or now, you know, looking at women and how you can work with them. So you really have carried all those things along. And another piece of your story that, that comes out that um, I think is really important. I mean, some people may have heard that as a story of, oh yeah, this was sort of a coming of age story and somebody trying to find her way into what she wants to do and everything else. But I heard it as a story of someone who is always open to trying new things and creativity and saying, oh, well, I I maybe can do that and find that. So I think you really have always followed where your passions are taking you, even though it might have been a circuitous route. And I think all of those, Kim, honestly, really, really serve you so well today because you've always kept that passion inside of you. And I think you always lead with that, if Mm, that makes sense, somewhere along the way. So, So let's talk a little bit about 
Well, first of all, obviously during this time right now, I mean, this has been such an unprecedented, difficult time for everyone. And we, it's also given people a lot of opportunities too, to really sit back and say, what do I really want out of life? And what am I passionate about? And some, so many women get to midlife and we've all seen this with, with people we know. And many things may have happened. They, they might have gone through a divorce. The kids might have left the nest. They might have gotten uh, let go of a job or career they had forever. And they're sort of in this place where either they don't know what to do next, or maybe everything is going along where it seems great, but they suddenly just feel stuck. It's sort of that, that is that all there is moment, I think, is, is how I would describe it. So, and when we say to people, and I know we always say this in the Three Tomatoes and we've interviewed people and we're like, well, find your passion. That sounds like such a simple statement, but the fact of the matter is it isn't because a lot of us have lost whatever that is. And I, I, without putting words in your mouth, I think Ignite Your Spark is what you're trying to help people to do. So you want to talk about that a little bit and, yeah. and how you um, sort of turn things around for some of these women who aren't who have lost that. They don't know what their passion is. <laughs> right. Well, the first thing I start with, and thank you for that, and I agree that I have followed that passion because it's been burning inside of me, you know, since I was young. I hope I've lost the ego part. I don't need to be on a stage with the applause, although I do love it. I love making <laughs> people laugh. I mean, I, you know, stand up could be in my future. Uh, I, the first thing I start with is what a good life coach starts with as well. And is what did you want to be when you were eight years old? And not that you are going to be a star, for instance, but what you want to do is grab the essence of what it was and chunk away at it bit by bit or chip away at it to see what the essence of it is that you love so much. So for me, it was being on stage, being in community with other people. It's really important for me to be around people who lift me up as well and making people laugh. It's so funny. That's just <laughs> something. I think I'm a natural teacher. I like leading. I always raised my hand. I always you know, ran for offices. I, always, I like leading people and teaching people and speaking because I feel it's a passion that was given. It was some, a gift that was given to me. So I will start with that when talking to people and I, you know, I guess I've helped these women. We did a four week class and it was wonderful because I had enough time to work with them each week. And we did some exercises. There's a lot of journaling and writing and finding your passion takes time. It's not just like, boom, there's my passion. I got it. I'm going to go out now and, you know, I'm going to be a veterinarian, you, it, you know, especially in midlife and beyond, sometimes you don't want to spend the time it takes to go back to school to learn a new skill. And I don't think you have to. I think you take the essence of what it is that you loved. And so through various writing prompts and exercises, and I do guided meditation and I get a little woo woo in there, you know, we, we like candles and that signify that that is our spark, but I'm a really big proponent of going inward 
And even though I'm just like this bubbly out there person, I also take time to go inside and be quiet every single day and think about what it is that I'm going to accomplish that day. And, and I think it just, it helps to be in community with other women. So I think I had 14 women in the class you were speaking of. And knowing that everybody was looking for something, you know, and everybody wants to ignite that spark, to feel good about themselves. And I want to break it down and make it so that it's not just about them, but it's about others. So that you want to ignite your sparks so that you can ignite the spark of someone else. So I ask people to think about what brings you joy, what lights you up, and then share that. It doesn't, it could be your family, you know, but I think thinking about there's, you know, there's little, there's the whole classes kind of thing that I've developed around that, but, but just focusing more on the positive and less on the negative. I mean, that's just such a simple and simplistic way of saying it. But in order to find your passion, you have to look back on what you wanted to do when you were a child. In so many cases, you'll see that people are doing what they wanted to be do as a child or what they wanted to be. You'll see that they, if it, you know, I don't know if they were teachers or they're bankers or, you know, there's so many different fields out there. I mean, some people always knew they wanted to be a doctor because they saw a doctor cure a family member. But if you wanted to be a doctor and you're at this age, where you're not, it's not practical to go back to medical school, I would look at the essence of what that is, and that's helping people, caring for sick people or what, you know, whatever it is. I mean, there's so many volunteer opportunities. There are opportunities in healthcare that you can do without actually being a doctor. And I think, it, and I'm not a life coach per se, but, it, but I do enjoy helping people figure out what they love to do. And then they can go see a business coach and a life right. coach who can really take them through that path. But to me, it's more about positivity and knowing that we all have that spark inside. We all are positive in there if we let ourselves be. Right. You know, we, we can let ourselves go down the drain of watching CNN and Fox News and comparing the two and, oh my gosh, I hate this, I hate that. But if you don't and you do something to ignite your own spark, whether it's drawing, coloring, calling a friend, I mean, a lot of the things I suggest that really help you are doing things for others. What has really helped me is writing. I draw little watercolor notes and send them to friends. So I've done a lot more handwriting of things and it makes me feel good. And then when they get a piece of mail with a stamp right, on it, exactly. oh my gosh. But I'm, I've always been a big proponent of giving back. And you know, if you're feeling not so great, look around you. There's a lot of people out there who can benefit from the gifts that you have to give, whether it's delivering a meal or reading to someone. There are so many ways that we can give back and that ignites our spark. I don't know well, if that answered a question. Uh, well, I love that <laughs> message, Kim, because it's such an important man. There, there are so many, so many positive messages there. I mean, First of all, you know, people who love what they do are just happy people and you see it in them when you can wake up in the morning and you actually look forward to 
what it is you're going to do during a day instead of getting up and dreading it. Uh, that makes such an enormous difference in what your life is about. And, and then giving back. And you're right. It's just, you know, feeling your whole concept of feeling positive about yourself is a lot of it is just looking around. And once you help somebody else out, you start to feel better. And we live in, first of all, it's, it's, it, it, it's definitely a challenging time right now for so many people. And, you know, for a lot of people feeling positive, um, you know, becomes a real challenge. But what I, you know, we've, you and I have been talking to so many experts during this pandemic and what so many of them have said, psychologists and sociologists, stuff have just said, listen, you can't, you, you can't change tomorrow, you, but you can deal with today. You can change what you're going to do today and you can decide how you're going to feel today and really take control of that. And I think that's so important too. And then I think another thing is, you know, as women, you know, I, I think social media, you know, it's got its lovely side, but it also has its downside where, you know, women are, you know, people only put their best stuff on Facebook, let's say it, we don't, you know, you get the occasional person who will say, oh, I'm having a bad day. But for most of us, you're looking at people's little fairy tale lives they've created, but then, you know, you're comparing yourself to that and like, well, you know, why are not, why am I not living that life? So there's so many more challenges, I think, right now that, you know, that we face. But as, as a last question, because believe it or not, I can't believe this, we're, we're running out of time. I can't believe it. You and I, can <laughs> I can. Each other for the rest of the day. We'll have to do this again. But what have you learned during this pandemic? Is there is, is there a lesson or any lessons that you've learned going through this? Well, I am so appreciative of people. And I always thought I was appreciative, but I am even more appreciative of people and communicating with them honestly and reaching out because life is short. And I've tried to do that, you know, I by calling people a lot, you know, and I text people and I've had more conversations with friends from 30 years ago that, than I, that I have ever had. And I think particularly it has taught me to appreciate little things, but also with the wildfires that we've had in California, I think what's interesting is you know, everybody complained, oh, you know, we can't go out, not everybody, but people, you know, we're all afraid of the virus that shall not be named. But, and then restaurants opened up for outdoor seating and people were like, oh, we have to sit outside. And now we've had wildfires. You can't even sit outside. It's like, let's appreciate every single thing of every single day. I've been more grateful for what I do have than what I don't have if that makes any sense. I've, wow, that makes perfect sense. And that's yeah. a fantastic message, I think, to leave everybody with. And there's a reason that you're going to help, help other women ignite their spark. And I think you've probably done that today, too. And uh, we just love you, Kim Selby. And I know that you're... Um, you know, your new venture with the podcast and with your workshops and everything that you're starting to do around this whole concept of working with women to help them ignite their spark is going to be so successful. And I think that's another thing that you've got to work on during the pandemic. I think we're seeing a lot of people who um, 
just came up with a lot more creativity and new ways to use their their energy and their passion. And I think you're a great example of that. Well, thank you. I have I have really enjoyed uh, some of the time to explore. However, let me just say that I am so ready to get back out there and get on a plane <laughs> to Manhattan. <laughs> I am ready to go back into Manhattan too. You know, I live on Long Island and I ha and I'm always in, in New York City. I have not been in New York City since early March and uh, and it's just um it just makes me sad. So I am going to plan a little visit in soon. You know, not that it's like back to what it was, but to visit just to say hello. Uh, I know. My friends, but oh, um, well, know. I I really do ask you know, if pray is the right word, that we learn the lessons that we are meant to learn through this, yes, this pandemic, so we can so get back to seeing people, hugging people, flying. I haven't seen my daughter in, well, she lives in England, so I, hopefully they're, she's coming in December, oh, and I it will have been so. an entire year since I've seen wow, her. I so mean, tough. so... But you know what? I am grateful for technology. I think every day, let's do a gratitude list. I just want to leave that. Let's, you know, make sure. I know you, people say, yeah, 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 but it's so important. And one of the things I'm really grateful for is technology. Yes, I really me am. too. Exactly. Because it's kept us all connected. Thank God for Zoom. Exactly. We all should have bought stock in it. The only thing I wish. <laughs> I know. And Amazon, we had right? Had, yes. We had had that little crystal ball or to say, oh, we should, we should be buying into this. But anyway, this has been such fun conversation with you, Kim. But then we always have great fun conversations. And I love you, my friend. I wish you I love you. success. And uh, we'll keep everybody updated. The Three Tomatoes are on where you're going with this. And I'll do next workshops. Okay. Thanks, Cheryl. All thanks, right. everyone, for listening. Okay. okay. <laughs>